Good golly, Miss Molly, here we go again. Two old guys on the back porch. I am Steve Scotch, because I like Scotch. And we have the lovely and talented cat, that's C-A-T, cracking the whip. Cat. Hey. hey, how y'all doing? We can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Pod Podcasts, and all your premier podcast platforms. Uh, we can also be found on Facebook and Instagram. This week, our two sh small town shout-outs this week are Woodford, Virginia and Caroline County, near where Stonewall Jackson died, and Angola, New York, there near Lake Erie, home of the Everhaunt Haunted House, giving y'all a big cheer. All right, alcohol is always here on the back porch. Now, uh, sometimes I do drink water just to trick my liver. But today I'm slamming the Manhattans. It's my favorite drink um, of 2022. I'm going to stick with it. Kat, what you sipping? I have me a lovely seasonal um, caramel apple teeny. <clears throat> wow. Sounds sweet like you. Oh, and we have one more shout-out this week. It's Adore Me, the lingerie for all sizes and occasions. For anyone who loves beautiful lingerie and, a, and affordable lingerie. <laughs> adore Me? Adore Me, as in AdoreMe.com. I adore it. Uh, there's a com I think they have a commercial for Adore. Okay, give it a shot. All right, today we're going to look at how adults are trying to ruin... Youth League Sports. Thanks. Of course, this has been going on for years now. but And actually, there's a downward spiral of kids not even wanting to play sports, period. There was some kind of survey, says, and a couple years ago, they found that 38% of kids between 6 and 12 uh, participate in organized sports where 10 years ago it was like almost 50% of kids between 12, I mean, 6 and 12 participated. So I don't know. And believe it or not, m more kids are participating in basketball, baseball, and soccer than in football. And, of course, football is the most popular spectator sport in the States. But there's been this trend with parents not wanting – their kids to play football. I mean, even want... some of the guys who played in the NFL don't want their kids playing. Right. It's that uh, CTE. Right. That, that started popping up in circles of organized football. They don't want their kids bail wrong. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of these older cats, uh, like Brett Favre. Obviously, he's been hit in the head too many times with, uh, he was in the news recently about allocating funds that should have went to people who needed it in Mississippi. Is Mississippi, the poor, poorest state in the country. It was a million and some dollars or something. And he, well, apparently know. there's a lot of people there in Mississippi. It's almost going all the way up to the governor that was in on this scheme. Yeah, so they could build a volleyball stadium or the something. Southern Mississippi University. And magically, his daughter was on the team. Uh, Jim McMahon, if you go back in the day, was a Bears quarterback. Um, there's a lot of these guys in their elder years struggling with uh, 
mental health issues from playing football. Now, you know, today football, if you watch it, it's a game of speed. The fastest team wins, and, and that's why it's so violent. You know, these dudes are super athletic, can run like a gazelle, you know, and they've got this hard plastic strapped to their, you know, their head, and the collisions year after year are, are taking their toll. Now, the NFL, they have cracked down on that launching head first into the other guy's head and neck area. I'll give them that. And the helmets are a whole lot, you know, safer than they used to be. And I, I, don't know. I think not letting your child play youth league football, if he wants to play or she wants to play, it's a little overprotective for me. Um, you know, the numbers say that kids are moving more to soccer, lacrosse, volleyball, than, than even baseball, football, or basketball. And I don't know. My take on the thing is when your kid wants to play organized sports, it's easier for them to be more involved playing soccer, lacrosse, tennis, volleyball, because football, baseball, and basketball, they've become so specialized now. You know, these kids, they play these sports like all year long. Right. There's no, There's no... break, especially baseball. You know, there's spring ball, fall ball, winter ball leagues. Um, the parents are, are constantly driving the kid up and down the road, uh, even when they're not playing in a league to these training facilities. Right. They're, I mean, my brother, he played, he was a three-sport athlete. He played football in the fall. and I'm going to get to that in a little while. Basketball in the winter and baseball in the springtime yeah the point i'm making is now the parents are just this kid's got a bat in his hand every day right that's what they're doing now i watched this movie it's called king richard and it's about richard williams did it come out this year um, king richard yeah all right richard williams of course is the father of venus and serena williams now the movie it, the time frame is just it was when Venus and Serena were young and preparing to start their professional tennis career. Uh, Will Smith played Richard Williams. Um, he did a great job. I'm oh, not. Yeah. A, I'm not a big Will Smith guy. Um, him slapping kiss slapping. I kind of like that though. But yikes. Anyway, he did a great job. Now the movie portrays Richard Williams as a good man, but but he was not. Um, but we won't get into that. We won't get into that. If the movie would have progressed further into their careers, we would have seen the real Richard Williams. But anyway, the reason I bring this movie up is because during the movie, it, they show that even though he had Venus and Serena constantly on the tennis courts as kids, he made sure they got to be kids. Right. Um, you know, he wanted to be regular kids. Made them. They had to do good in school. Uh, we're going to watch movies, just doing regular family activities, not just slamming tennis down their throat constantly, which 
in contrast, let's look at what Tiger Woods' dad, Earl, let's look what he did. Yikes. Okay, again, you've heard me talk about this documentary that was on ESPN a couple years ago about Earl Woods grooming Tiger to be probably the greatest golfer, if not one of all times. It, it, you've got to find this documentary. It, it, it is mind-blowing, and it shows you why Tiger Woods grew up to be the disgusting human being that he is. And it was just, he had a golf club in his hand since he could walk. And that, that was it. There was no movies, bowling, none of that. Now, here's another trend that's been happening in youth league sports. And that's just kids getting burned out at an early age. You know, say you throw your kid on the soccer pitch at age five or six. By the time he or she's 12 years old, they've already been playing six or seven years. Right. And they've had enough. You know, I kind of got a little upset with their son. He was a he was a pretty good soccer player. And, you know, we played, went, we went up and down the road for years. And then when he got to middle school, I said, are you going to go try out? And he didn't want to. He, which I wished he had, but anyway. Now, like Kat mentioned a minute ago, back in our day, you know, we played everything. We played baseball in the spring, football the end of summer, end of fall, um, you know, girls in high school on a softball team, they'd also play basketball right. or they'd run track or they'd do gymnastics, the guys on the football team. Uh, they would they would be on the wrestling team or they would do track, and and now that's kind of frowned upon, you know. You still have the pure athletes, you know, in high schools that are good at football, baseball, basketball, whatever. You know, they've got agents coming at them, um, scouts. Right. I mean, there's even scouts coming like Plus middle school. Plus, the kids school. also get like you know, overuse. Like they're little kids getting Tommy John surgery and torn ACLs Yeah, from, you know, plus some of those leagues, AAU or whatever, you're, that's your whole weekend. That whole family's weekend is we're gonna going. We're going to get into that also. Okay. But like I said, some, some of these guys, they can, they can go either way. Look at uh, Russell Wilson played for Seattle for years. Now he's with, Denver? Denver. Uh, he could have probably played baseball. Right. And chose football. Patrick Mahomes, quarterback for the Chiefs. Uh, another one who could have went, you know, anywhere right. he wanted to. Because these guys are just, these cats, they only come around once in a while. Now, we saw with Air Son, when you sign your kids up for whatever sport it is, Son or daughter, any, any kind of ability. If they show any kind of ability at all, look out for the travel team coach to give you a call. Oh, yeah. The phone's going to start ringing. Now, I, I do believe the travel team thing started off with good intentions, and then it turned into this money grab thing. Pretty much. You know, the travel team venture is basically for the family with extra cash. Regular Joe's not going to be to be able to do this. You know, 
dad or mom, you know, both of them, one or the other, or both, they got to drive junior to, sometimes it's another state Yeah. for the weekend. You know, so you say it's like two nights in a hotel, gas, big expenses now. I mean, you got to eat, you got to drink, you know, food and beverage while you're out of town. I mean, this thing could add up to thousands of dollars. I mean, you've got to be kidding. I mean, the other thing is mom and dad aren't looking at the wear and tear on the child. Okay? You tra travel, let's say, six hours away from home. Your, your son or daughter's got to play like five games in two days. And, if you, and they do these things in the summertime, which is unbelievable because if you live in the south, or the oh, no. mid-Atlantic area like we do, it's freaking hot as hell. And so there's your son standing out there in right field all day for two straight freaking days, back to back. Then it's back in the crossover for the six-hour ride home. I mean, it just sounds ridiculous to me. And when the travel ball people come at you because your son's good at hockey or, or basketball or soccer, whatever it is, at first you're like, you're proud. Right. You're like, hey, somebody noticed that my son or daughter is kind of special. You know, so you, you, you jump in and you say yes. And then halfway into this commitment, you're like, what the hell have I done? I mean, I, I, I bet you couples get divorces over this thing. Oh, I'm sure. I, I guarantee it because you probably got... One of the other who's when more going, zealous honey, about the other. Honey, you're pushing Junior too hard, and he's like, "But honey, he's got talent. He needs to get. He needs to use that talent." I mean, you think about, say, the the wife or the or the husband. He's worked all week, right? And now we're gonna get in the car and drive to Maryland to go play baseball for freaking two days straight. Come home Sunday at eight o'clock at night. I mean, I don't I know. I mean, both. Henrico and Chesterfield all all have this new uh, sports, you know, system where their fields are open for these big tournaments and stuff. Right. It's money. It's money. It's a big money grab. But uh, to me, the travel thing, the financial strain, the time commitment, I, I just, I don't know. They They came at us. For our son in soccer, this was years ago. I think our son did a, a soccer camp in the summer, and one of those coaches saw. And and our son was pretty good. And you know, I come home and and wifey's like, "Hey, uh, they want to do the travel team," and I'm like, "That's no." I mean, he was only like nine, right? Or something. And the I'm thing like, was, you lost your mind. When should we went, we came back for the next year to do rec. After nine years old, mm. the team sucked. Yeah. <laughs> The coach sucked, and we were sent to these, you know, fields that we had been using these nice fields, right, and then we went to the right. fields there at the park, like, oh, you're doing rec now? You're going over there. Yeah, yeah. There's a pecking order. But here's something, if you're bored. Look up on YouTube. There's piles of videos on there with parents getting after it. At, at Little League football, baseball, and hockey, whatever the sport is. I mean, you know, their son got called out on strikes or he was safe when he tried to steal second. They called him out. And next thing you know, there's verbal jousting going on. And 
punches being thrown in the parking lot, sometimes right on the field. And I've watched some of these videos. They are unfreak, And it's not always the guys. Sometimes the mom, mommy's out there throwing <laughs> fists. It, it, you know, it's nice to, nice to see adults acting like morons in front of their kids over a freaking youth league football game. I mean, the parents and coaches are supposed to be showing their kids good sportsmanship, but they end up showing them how to look like an ass. You know, I don't know. Now, there's a lot of good people that volunteer each year to help out with youth league sports. Um, you know, people that volunteer to coach, help in the concession stand, keep the fields going. Right. You know, my brother and I, we, we, we played youth league sports all our life. I mean, all our life. All our, all our, when we were little, like from age 8 to 13 or something. Right. We, we played football, baseball, basketball. We did all. And I look back on it with good memories. Right. Um, you know, and we had a good run with our kids playing youth league sports. There was a couple little flare-ups every now and then, but that's going to happen. But you know, the only thing is, I remember our daughter was cheerleading for, I guess, the, at the time, the Canal Redskins. They've changed their name. <laughs> and the, the, the little team kept winning. So as the, as the end of the season was going with these playoffs, it kept getting colder and colder. And, and it wouldn't end. And it wouldn't end. The less cheerleaders would show up for, <laughs> for well, you the games. <laughs> I remember when we played little league sports you were lucky to have like a coach and an assistant coach hopefully right. you had two dads out there that would get you know keep the thing going and when our daughter was out there cheering this is little league football there was like 19 coaches on this <laughs> I, my mind was blown they had like a receivers coach an offensive line coach a defensive line this these kids were like nine years old and there was 19 coaches on the sidelines i was I don't know. Like I said, things have changed. But to me, getting your kids involved in athletics, it's a great thing. It, it keeps them in good physical condition, um, gets them away from the video games, Hell yeah. gets them out of the house, gets them, off the, uh, gets them off the net. And, you know, they're socially active. Hopefully they can make friends, you know, on or off the field. I mean, one thing I saw – was kids who participate in sports, they usually do pretty good in school. I don't know I don't what know. the correlation when is. When I played basketball, I would have, you know, even when we had away games, I would have, we would have certain time and right before we would go to the school and we would still study right, right before we, right. we took the court. So there's, there's so many positives into getting your kids involved in sports. You know, just, just don't let it get out of hand. Don't take it so serious. You know, if you think your kid's going to the NHL or the NFL or the NBA, you're a little bit delusional. That's very few make it that far. Just just have fun with it. And just remember your kids, they're not kids for very long. All right. We're going to roll right into one tough son of a bitch. All right. This week, it's Bret Hart. Now, that name might not ring a bell in your head unless you're into wrestling. And I, I, I'm going to admit I watched wrestling. You watched a lot of wrestling. <laughs> For years, I did. 
I knew it was fake, but I didn't care. It was, still in, we're enjoying it. Was it was But anyway, Bret Hart, 65 years old from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, um, from Greek and Irish descent from his grandma's. That's a mutt. He's a pretty attractive guy, though. Yeah, good-looking guy. Um, he was one of 11 kids. They were busy. And his dad trained wrestlers in the family basement. I, I forgot what his dad's name is. They, they named the basement the Dudge, Dungeon. So Brett, basically born to be a wrestler. If right. your dad's down there every night or every day training people, that's what you're going to do. Let's get the mats out. Let's go. Yeah, Brett, uh, he held every title there was from like the 70s till 2010. I just remember he was a member of the Hart Foundation. And uh, they called him the, Brett was the ex- <laughs> Excellence of execution. That's what his tag was. And his tag team partner was Jim the Anvil Nightheart, who was a bad dude, too. The Heart Foundation, they would wear your ass down. And this was like in the 80s when there was a lot of good tag teams back then. Um, Like I said, I watch wrestling in the early part of my life I checked out of it years ago it got it got a little greasy for me a little we're gonna do a podcast on wrestling oh one, boy. one day I know everybody's waiting and I'll give you my reasons for piecing out of it but they, they like to call it sports entertainment right all right and Brett he was entertaining because he could actually wrestle right there's a lot of those wrestlers that They're don't just... know anything this guy could wrestle and uh you know, watching him, you could tell, you know, he was trained by his dad. He went to some kind of wrestling school. Now, now, let's jump up to 1997, because I was talking about the 80s when he, he was really nailing it. Now, this is when somebody found out that, that there was no Santa Claus. Okay. <laughs> they, they called it, I believe, the Minnesota Screwjob, I think. I, I'm... Don't quote me on that. But he was supposed to lose and give the belt to Shawn Michaels. And the match was in Canada, which is his home home right. base. And he told Vince McMahon that, that he didn't want to lose in Canada. So he asked Vince if they could do it like in the next city. Because, right. again, everybody should know now, wrestling is fake. Okay, so the, all this is pre-programmed. And so I don't know if Vince went along with it. I don't know. But, again, it's known as the Montreal Screwjob, where Shawn Michaels, he got Brett in a sharpshooter. And I know if you're not into wrestling, all oh, this doesn't make any sense. The sharpshooter isn't People hole. are seriously taking notes on this. It, it, it's a submission hole, okay? <laughs> well, Vince was at the thing. Vince was at the Vince McMahon is the crooked bastard who finally pieced out of the WWE, the empire he built magically for I'm sure sexually. Stephanie will take care of everybody. It was something dodgy he did with some lady. I'm sure she worked there. No or she one's was a wrestler. By this. I don't know. So he's gone and now, you know, he's still getting a check, but his daughter's tagged as the CEO. All right, get back to the match. 19, Bret Hart put his heart and soul out there in wrestling for years. 
And he had the belt. He didn't want to lose it in Canada because that's where he's from. So he asked the dirty bastard, Vince McMahon, could he lose it in the next city? And so the match goes on with Shawn Michaels, who used to be, they called him the heartbreak kid. So Shawn gets him in a sharpshooter, which is a submission hole. Well, Vince is, is at the ringside. He sees it. He tells the bell guy to ring the bell. And Brett never tapped out. You're supposed to tap. Right. <laughs> he did not tap out. Ding, ding, ding. The bell rung and the match was over. And, again, it, it's one of the most iconic moments in the history of wrestling. And and Bret Hart is still not over it. <laughs> He's still not over He's still over talking it. about it. He, found, it. he founded a youth hockey team there. Yeah. Called the Calgary Hitman. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bret the cool. Hitman Hart. Hit, okay. He was a bad man. Anyway, Brett, this is what he used to say. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Bill, I'm screwed it up. And the best there ever will be. And that makes Brett Hart, the hitman Hart, one tough son of a bitch. That sounds kind of spooky, and we're out here in the dark, too. The back uh, porch is dark tonight. Okay. Okay, this week's What You Watching. Uh, we were watching Welcome to Wrexham. It's about Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney buying a fifth-tier uh, soccer team there in Wales called the Red Dragons there in Wrexham. And it's pretty good because you kind of learn about the town, kind of learn about Wales. In England. In England, and it's like fifth, Scotland. Wales is a separate country. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's all part of Great Britain, but Wales is a separate country. <laughs> and we don't mean Wales as in the animals so in the Ryan ocean. So Ryan has put a lot of money into this thing. Right. Him and some other actor guy. A lot of aviation gen money. It's pretty neat. I've watched it off and on. It's pretty cool. Like Kat said, over there across the pond... These little soccer clubs, you don't know, but there's there's piles of them over there. Right. And these people, you know, they don't get to go down to watch the Lakers play or the Nashville Predators play hockey. They don't drive to some auditorium to see some big sports. This is their whole thing yeah. of just going to this stadium, however many games they play a year. And these people are nuts about they it. They love it. They take buses to go to the away games. They'll have like five or ten buses. To go, everybody piles in these buses and goes to the away games. And then they go to the pub after that and get hammered. <laughs> anyway, it's if you learn a lot about soccer, you learn a lot about uh, fifth tier soccer. A lot of I don't want to say a lot. There are celebrities, people with money. There's a whole article on Vanity Fair, wasn't it? That are getting into this, right? Putting money into soccer clubs. So, I wish him well. Ryan's a pretty good dude. Don't know him personally. Anyway, if you want to catch it, it's been on FX, and you'll always catch up on Hulu. All right. That's what we're watching. Now we're going to get into what we're drinking. <laughs> Cocktail of the week. Clover Club? The Clover Club. All right. This is an old one. Pre-Prohibition? Yep. From the 1800s and uh, Philadelphia's Bellevue slash Stafford Hotel. I thought it was named after a men's club. I don't well, know. Well, maybe that's what it was. It was like a club you could go in right. and drink. The and hangout drew crowds of writers, right. lawyers, titans of industry, 
They convened every day and naturally the meetings included some drinks and the Clever Club is made with gin, lemon juice, raspberry syrup, and egg whites. Well, the drink declined in popularity because of that raw egg. That's, <laughs> that's why that thing went down the tubes. Now, everybody has an egg in their fridge, right. I think. Give it a try. All right, this one's a shaker. Cat just went through it. It's a shot of te- top-shelf gin, half shot of lemon juice. you got to be easy with that lemon juice. A quarter shot of raspberry syrup. Not sure. Or can you use grenadine? I, I maybe I yeah. just made I just made the raspberry myself okay. last night. Wow, a lot of work in this one. A lot of work and the, syrup just making. the egg white. Right. Okay. Put it into your shaker, fill with ice, shake the shit out of it, and pour it into a chilled martini glass or what's that glass you got? Is that a martini? Um, no, that's like a Nick and Nora glass right okay. there. We don't know what that is, but it's a very pretty drink. Yeah. I guess the egg white puts that little foam, foam on, top. on top. All right, Kat's made us one, so we're going to do a little tasting. It's the Clover Club. I know this one's a little tricky with the egg white and the raspberry syrup. Forget the red. Just get grenadine. Um, it's okay. No, we got a face on that one. Ugh. All right, it's basically gin, lemon juice, and raspberry syrup. It looks cool. It looks cool. I think I need more raspberry or something. Yeah, that one's a no. We're gonna pat. <laughs> we threw it out there. Maybe, maybe this is one you gotta tweak. Yeah. Because we didn't tweak it. And uh, anyway, Cat, thank you for making that. It's a, it's a cool looking drink. Anyway, the Clover Club. All right, today we were bumpered in by a band. Me and Cat really dig. They're called Concrete Blonde. They are band of the week. Today we heard Caroline, love that song, love the bass, uh, formed in 1982 from Hollywood, California. I can't say her name. Is it jo- Joannette? Johnette? Johnette Nap- Napolitano. Yes. She was the, uh, well, they, I guess they're still going. I'm not sure. No, no. She's sitting out there in Joshua Tree writing music for TVs and television. Oh, good for her. She was in another band called uh, Pretty and Twisted. Oh yeah, they. I think they had like one song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonette Napoli. Napolitano. Napolitano, singer and bass player, female bass player. I love it. Guitar player, freaking virtuoso. Virtuoso is James Mankey. Yeah. Dude is awesome on the guitar, and the drummer has got a name I can't pronounce either. Harry Rush Rushakoff. Rashakoff? I don't know. The song Everybody Knows, you might have heard that written by Leonard Cohen. They do a great job of it. Again, we heard Caroline today. Love that song. Okay, so number one, first question for you. Do you know who named the band? No. Oh, yeah, Michael Stein. Michael Stein. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And do you know who the song Joey's about? Um. It's a song about a girl who likes this guy, but he likes alcohol better. Right. And that's a story that will probably never end. Um, well, the guy that she was liked or whatever was Mac Moreland, who was in the Wall of Voodoo. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And unfortunately, he did have liver wow. failure in 2002. Yeah. So. Well, I like Wall of Voodoo. I thought they were great. 
not just because of Mexican radio, but they did a couple albums after that that were great. I didn't know she was what dated that guy. Anyway, Concrete Blonde. Oh, I like that song. They got Mexican Moon. Right, I think that's, that's a, a good one. Really great song. I know Concrete Blonde, little under the radar. Um, they were like college radio darlings. I would Some, say someone described her as the goth, the alt goth Stevie Nicks. Eh, no, there's the. I don't know. They they had a little darkness to them. Right. It's always like red, black, and white colors. I wouldn't go goth, but um. Anyway, they had videos on MTV mostly on that late night, uh, 120 minutes. Right. They just they got no buzz, no push. You know, their albums well, are I very think, well produced. I, I mean, think they were a hard category to true. pin them out, yeah. pin them down on. Yeah. Um. Again, if you listen to their, their stuff, it's very nice, clean sound. You can hear the bass, drums, guitar, right. vocals. Very, very well produced. Um, Let's see. Oh, I was going to go into the story about Michael Jackson. What? Let me see. Changing it because of their rock approach. Yeah, that's what you already said. Stipey gave him the name because they were both signed to IRS right. I think around the same time anyway check out Concrete Blonde wherever you get your music they jam we want to thank everybody for listening and we will see y'all down the road see ya <laughs>